Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I am your host, Jana Denton-Howes, and it's an absolute delight to have you here. I'm a marriage and intimacy educator, as well as a creator of the Wanting It More program, which has helped thousands of women who are married to men want and enjoy it more in the bedroom. You know, having low desire was something that I personally struggled with for years in my marriage, so I absolutely get it all. You are not alone. Just a heads up, I use all the words in this podcast, so if you've got little ears around or you're in public setting, you may want to pop in some earbuds. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Wanting and More podcast. It's Jana, still in my office, still same location. Today, I opened up my blinds all the way. And so even though it's gray and rainy outside, I've got lots of beautiful natural light in the office. So I thought I'd give you a little update to my physical surroundings. Today, we are going to be talking about understanding your body and your preferences. This is a huge one. And it is one of the three requirements that I believe women need to have a great experience in the bedroom. And if you have a great experience in the bedroom, then most likely you will be looking forward to it. Will it look like wanting to rip your husband's clothes off? Probably not. We'll talk about that in a future episode. But for today, I just want to review what we were talking about before, the three requirements. We have already covered toxic cultural messages. We have already covered um, emotional and physical safety with your husband. And this is the last one in that triad, trio, the Venn diagram that is linked in the episode page. And that is understanding of your body and preferences, as I've already mentioned. This is the last one I decided to do in the series because it honestly is almost the most difficult one because of so many of those cultural messages that we covered in the last episode. So before we dive into all of that, which I'm really excited about, I just wanted to give a little bit of context for this one. Personally, I don't know about you, but I have just had to go on this journey of discovering who who am I and what are my needs in this world that has so many formulas and shoulds and requirements of success. I feel like I've talked about this before, but it's okay. It's okay, Jana. You can repeat yourself. <clears throat> so when we're talking about exercising, there feels like there is one way to do it. I've discovered that I always thought cardio was the great way to do it. I'm working on doing a little bit of weightlifting and really embracing right now that I enjoy walking. I really have wanted to be a runner for so long. I'd look at folks on the seawalk near my house and they're just going for their earbuds in and the rain's going down and they just look like, oh, they look like how I want to feel. But when I start running, I just feel exhausted and I hurt and it's difficult to breathe. I know that does get better over time, but it just never feels good on my body. But I really enjoy walking. I love going out in nature. That feels kind of, I don't know, like I'm not doing the right thing or I'm cheating or it's the light version. Same with weightlifting. I've always felt like that is this side. You, you, you run on the treadmill for 30 minutes and then maybe 
do a few bicep curls, but I'm exploring some new stuff. It's difficult to break free of the molds of shoulds. Same with diet, same with spiritual practices, same with how our bodies look, um, how we choose to dress. There's so many cultural standards for women that are just difficult. And I don't know, I think this is going to be a lifelong practice of discovering for ourselves, especially as women. I don't think that in my generation anyways, we're going to figure this out. I I think it's going to potentially get worse before it gets better. And that helps me have a lot of compassion for myself, that it's not just about getting over it. Uh, it's a, It's a practice <laughs> to maybe go down some paths of, oh yeah, right, this is the thing I should be doing. And and then just be like, I hate this. I'm not having a good time. And then what's wrong with me? Why am I broken? And then, oh, it's because I'm doing something that isn't in alignment with who I am and what my needs are. That's exactly what I see happen for women when it comes to their bodies and preferences. There is a really narrow definition of what sexual healthy sexual functioning looks like and it's very much based on the media sex formula when i started this process i really thought that i needed to have an orgasm from missionary like him on top only intercourse alone and it needed to you know take about 10 to 20 minutes and probably they should be simultaneous orgasms. I shouldn't be touching myself. I shouldn't be communicating. I shouldn't be talking. It would be this natural flow from let's have sex probably three times a week. Um, let's, you know, oh yeah, let's do it in the bedroom. It all happens seamlessly. Lots of passionate kissing, groping, sweating. I don't know. All that stuff. And I never stopped to question it. I just continued to feel broken. And then thinking that I, that it was me, I guess that is a definition of broken, isn't it? And under this scenario, a lot of husbands will agree. They'll say, yeah, your body isn't functioning as I expected. And that doesn't help the situation at all, (laughs) because the last thing we need is for our partners to say, I agree with you, you are broken. And they probably won't come out and say it like that, but you know, we get the vibe. So before I go into some ideas and suggestions about learning about your body and how female bodies actually work, not this ridiculous cultural expectation thing, and also how to learn about your preferences, I think it's important to always go back and revisit those cultural barriers or other barriers that we can come up against in this work. Because it's so easy to just say, learn about your body. Your body is unique. Go masturbate every day and figure it out. And and then we don't, and then we feel weird, and, and then we avoid it, and you know, and then we blame ourselves. So it's always important to look at this from a compassionate lens. And the way I like to approach compassion is looking at some external factors that may be affecting your actions. So we can say it makes sense. 
So going back to the big topic in last episode, looking at that cultural shame. So if we're having messages that our bodies are bad and sex is dirty and we shouldn't touch ourselves, then it makes sense that we would have feelings of shame and disgust and avoid doing any sort of learning, educating, exploration with our bodies. And as I mentioned last week, it's just a great first step to start to acknowledge the ways in which culture has impacted you and start opening your eyes to some of these messages. And over time, this isn't going to happen overnight, over time, decide for yourself what you want to believe moving forward. And again, this is not a one and done situation. This is an ongoing, ever evolving process. It's a practice, really, that I don't think I'm going to ever finish. It's oh, it's always there. Culture is getting worse. <laughs> I mean, this aspect anyways, I believe. Although there, okay, it's not so black and white as that. There are a lot of other voices now that are combating these messages if we are intentionally looking for them and following them on social media and whatnot. Barrier number two is a lack of reliable education. And I'm guessing, well, if you're listening to this podcast, you are seeking out education, which is fantastic. Good job, you. But uh, it's also really hard. You don't want to Google questions. You don't know what's going to come up. You don't know if it's going to be porny or if it's not going to align with your values. And this, uh, you know, this is something that I really struggle with because I internalized a lot of harmful advice for me over time. And usually the harmful advice was whenever it was very prescriptive. That doesn't work for me. So over time, you will develop a keen sense of intuition for what is going to harm you and what is going to help you. Again, this is a practice. Another barrier is, you know, not feeling safe. Like I mentioned before, this emotional and physical safety with your partner. If you don't feel safe, it's incredibly difficult to explore and be curious and open and wonder and, oh, interesting. I like this type of touch and because there can be fears. You know, if I explore, then it's going to be a green light for my partner. I may be judged for what I like or don't like, or maybe they'll think I'm taking too long, need too much space. And that's what women need. Women need time and space and no pressure and no goals. So, you know, of, of course this, well, maybe not of course, but this can really be overcome through good communication and healthy boundaries. And again, this takes time. So really there's two aspects of this process. One is learning the science of female sexuality because of all of this miseducation that we've received and, and no education, quite frankly. Two pieces of education that made a huge impact for me early on, and of course it's going to be different for you, but I just wanted to give you an example practically of what this may look like. Uh, I think I learned these in the book Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski, and I highly recommend this book. I think she just did a revision as well, so make sure that if you're buying it, you're buying the newest version. So the first piece of information I learned was that the majority of women orgasm with clitoral stimulation. I had learned this about myself, but I had always felt broken because of it. I always felt like, oh, I had to do this. And this is what I hear in a lot of surveys that I do from women who say, 
how do I get over this? How can I just have an orgasm from his penis going inside of me? They won't say it that way, but (laughs) you know what I mean. How can I have it the normal way, quote unquote? And I get it. That makes sense. There's reasons for this. Freud um, started this a long time ago, (laughs) and it really is perpetuated uh, today by media. But when I learned, I think it's about 70% of women orgasm with clitoral stimulation. And it really is just biology. There's no judgment here. There's no good or bad. It, I think it's really boiled down to how far away your clitoris is from your vaginal opening. It's just, just that boring. It's not something, you know, that you're going to fail or succeed at. It's just that we all have unique bodies. And learning about that really helped me just fully embrace this aspect of my pleasure. And so I wasn't trying over and over again to somehow make my body fit this narrow definition of success that I had determined. And yeah, just felt less broken. The second piece of information I learned was about the two types of desire. And I'll do a whole podcast episode on this one, but really short version. There's two types of desire, spontaneous and responsive. Spontaneous is the one that we typically see in sex scenes because we don't really see sex happening anywhere else. Uh, And it is that, um, like, I want sex before the sex is happening. And responsive is more of, okay, I'm going to plan for opportunities for exploration in a pressure-free environment and see what happens. So see where this curiosity leads me, see where talking leads me, see where feeling emotionally safe with my partner leads me, um, see where exploring my five senses with lots of different body parts lead me. So you see how you really need a lot of safety in this environment. It's not an A to B experience. And it's so much of what I talk about in my program, Wanting It More. I call them exploration dates. And it's a whole new way of looking at physical intimacy that I believe is just, uh, it's the best. It really is. So those two pieces of learning were just transformative for me. And that's why it's so important for us to constantly be learning, okay, how does the bo- the female body actually work? What is the biology? What is this sort of plain, boring facts that we can learn about ourselves and then also share with our partner as well? The second piece of this is understanding your preferences. And if you're going to create an experience that you can look forward to, you have to know what is what is the experience you're going to look forward to. And I find that a lot of women naturally default to what their husband's like or expect him to figure out, her, you know, their bodies without any of their input. And this makes a lot of sense considering the typical plot line of a lot of romance novels and romantic comedies. It really is. Boils down to a hot guy scrolls into town, this innocent, pure woman feels a strange tingly sensation in her crotch when he's around. They have sex and he makes her feel things that she has never felt before. And just like, oh, wow, how did that happen? He, he just must have magic hands and magic things and magic penises. And, <laughs> and really in this scenario, she's a bystander uh, to her pleasure. She's not the lead. 
she is sort of just like, oh, wow, look, he's good in bed and therefore I can enjoy myself. And that makes a lot of sense. That make that plot line makes a lot of sense given our the cultural framework of don't touch yourself, don't learn about yourself, don't be a slut, <clears throat> excuse me, those sort of things. So I know it's easier said than done, but any steps that you can take to take charge of your enjoyment and explore what feels good and what doesn't for yourself as a mature, sophisticated woman will make a huge impact in your sex life. And a few suggestions to get you started. This is just an overview. I'm going to be covering a lot of these things in more detail, but starting with the things that you don't like first is a great first step. This will take courage depending on where your relationship is at. But, and I also acknowledge that it can be difficult in the beginning when you don't feel like you, you like anything. (laughs) It would feel like, well, if I say no to all the things I don't like, there will be nothing left. And I promise you that there are lots of things left. They just don't fit that narrow box of acceptable sexual pleasure that we're given to by culture. Suggestion number two, if you expand your definition of pleasure to slightly more positive than neutral, this can decrease the pressure to have everything feel like fireworks. And um, so it's just, you're just looking for something that's a little bit, a little nice, a little warm, a little interesting, a little like, oh, that's, that's okay. That doesn't, it's not terrible. It's not neutral. It's just slightly nice. And over time, those slightly nice things can become really nice things. Uh, but this is a great place to start. Suggestion number three really expand your idea of pleasure to include all your senses and all your body parts instead of the typical ones that we are told are breast, bum, vulva, clitoris. This can really help you see that enjoyment can come in all forms and then prove to yourself that all forms are valid. Some of these exploration dates that I have with my husband don't involve our genitals at all. And that's okay. Some do, some don't. Things ebb and flow. And that's been so liberating, so freeing that if the goal is connection and pleasure, not to meet any other goals, there's so much available, so many opportunities for that connection and pleasure to take place. So I think I'll leave you here with that. This is just, again, an overview and even though it was just an overview, I hope it's given you some practical steps forward. And uh, let me know. Let me know if any of these tips have helped. And I will talk to you in the next one. Bye.